0: I am Nick Slavic. I'm the proprietor of the Nick Slavic Painting and Restoration Company. I'm also the host of this show, Ask a Painter Live. It is a weekly live Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube show where I use my 30 years of experience uh, as a master craftsperson and trades business owner to basically show you what the life of both of those things are. So um, we have a guest today that is a very familiar guest, a friend of the show, Tom Drost of Estimate Rocket here today. Tom, thanks for being with us.
1: Always a pleasure, Nick. I'm really happy to be here. We always have some good, uh, some good talks.
0: Yeah, and and you know that Estimate Rocket is a huge supporter of our industry. I'm a huge supporter of people who support our people in the industry in in the um, in the goal of professionalizing. So I do appreciate that. And as you would expect, yes, we're going to be talking about Estimate Rocket. But um, what you should expect from our conversations are uh, we're going to talk about some economic things today. We're going to talk about the data. Tom and I love data. We're the nerds. Uh, Also, Chris Shank, friend of the industry, uh, Estimate Rocket, is also in the chat. So he'll be helping out with links, with questions, and things like that. So. Uh, my ask of everybody today is, number one, share this show, and number two, you guys have two business owners at your disposal this morning. You have two data freaks, you have a, a software and <laughs> analytics guy, and you have two people deeply entrenched in the industry. So get any of your questions ready for us. I have, of course, all my questions for Tom that I have to ask. Um, but First off, Tom, let's, uh, let's just give the people, for the four people who don't know what Estimate Rocket is, tell us about Estimate yeah. Rocket.
1: Well, uh, Estimate Rocket uh, helps growing contractors manage the chaos. That's how we sum it up. Um, we really are, you know, about moving your projects from end to end, from incoming leads through the sales process, through the work orders and change order process during the project, invoicing, and and then lots of data on the back end. That's the favorite mm-hmm. part. Data you can use that and that you need to really manage your business.
0: That is absolutely awesome. And uh, so as as promised, Tom, uh, I pulled up my Facebook page and I always just make sure that there's video and audio and stuff here. And uh, I am am happy to say that today we are going crystal clear video and you are the first participant on Ask a Painter Live to use the new Slavic Farm uh, fiber internet out here. So awesome. uh, we got this stuff hooked up yesterday. There was a band of construction guys in here hooking up all my stuff. And uh, for the first time in three years broadcasting out here, we actually have video that doesn't look like I'm broadcasting from a third world country. So (laughs) (laughs) it looks awesome. Oh, Can't have
1: too much bandwidth. That's for
0: sure. That's what I found out. So <laughs> it is. Uh, it used to be pretty crippling out here. I'd I'd go to upload a three minute video and it'd be twenty eight minutes out at my farm. <sighs> and and God forbid one of my kids would start up a TV out here and then it would triple. So yeah. Um, okay. Number one. Um, what what common problems? What points of friction does Estimate Rocket solve for people in our industry?
1: Um. One is uh, it helps them get that s- estimating process done quickly and accurately, uh, and the quick is important and get let you to get the proposals in customers' hands uh, or devices, you know, as soon as the estimate is done. There's no more reformatting or moving it here or moving it there, um, so. It also makes it easy to train new estimators. So mm. when you get in that phase where you're trying to add an estimator or add a salesperson, uh, it it's just makes it a very uh, you know predictable, repeatable process that they can use uh, and and to, and get you still get you great results. Um, the other thing I think that's probably one of the big things, and it kind of goes unmentioned, but it's uh, documentation. So we're really big about all the documentation for the project, you know, photos and files and uh, you know expense tracking and time tracking and all those things that you really need to, you know, know how the job's working. Conversations um, so you can look at it. You know, your production manager's out. You got uh, you know somebody you're coming in don't have to do this normally, but you're coming in to see, okay, geez, where's this project at? You go down and you can look, you know, you can see what the lines are, what the work orders look like. You can see uh, what the notes are that have happened, any communications that have been made. It just really allows you to you know, your whole team to stay up to date on what's going on in every project. So I think that's, uh, it sounds, it's like data. Some people think it's desperately dull and boring, but it allows you to get what you need to run your business.
0: Sure as hell isn't boring when you need it. And, uh, you know, the, the thing that we always talk about, like a common touch point between us is like, you know, that common cowboy entrepreneur thing, when you're growing a business, even when you have a big professional business and we're acting general managers and CEOs, we have those moments where you bolt up in the middle of the night in a sweat. Oh my God. What do you have this epiphany in the middle of the night? (laughs) And honestly, I've, the data is like a safety blanket for me, which is like, oh my God, Everything's crumbling to the ground. Everybody hates me in my business. Nobody's ever going to call us. Everything I've ever done is a lie. And then you open (laughs) up your dashboard and you're like, just prove it. Where on that? Where on my dashboard? Where's the doom and glow. Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> there's nothing I can physically touch. So it's like, you want to, va- we have feelings for a reason, right? Like they're yeah. there to help guide us. But at some point, right. like just like data, data isn't perfect. It doesn't solve everything for you, but feelings don't either. And, and I think it's that beautiful exactly. interplay of like the reason that we can grow businesses like we do has part to do with that, that, um, that feelings-based thing, those intangible things that a spreadsheet can't tell you. But it's right, based right. on what that spreadsheet can tell you as well, <laughs> right? With no data,
1: you you know you, your feelings are like they may be good feelings, but they may be baseless. So it's nice to have exactly. that that backup that confirms it. It's Kind of funny when you you know we're going through our quarterly planning process and you know mapping out where we're going, and we'll come up with a number and I'll be like, "Where's that number going to come from?" <laughs> And you go back and you figure it out it's like okay well you know we're gonna change this and we're gonna add this i'm gonna do that and then oh that's where that number's coming from <laughs> yep yeah we're gonna grow 20 percent. how the hell are we gonna do it well that you gotta figure out in the data
0: yeah that's a so that's that's always one of those things where um uh business owners like us uh can use spreadsheets to a detriment sometime because we're like, we're going to double the company this year. Look at the spreadsheet. All we got to do is do this. Meanwhile, you're not overlaying the human emotions and lifestyle and like culture and, and core values of your team as well too. So I think that's where that beautiful interplay comes. So um, yeah. I did, I didn't want to timeline. Talk- oh, exactly. I think timelines. the The big thing with the spreadsheet, it's like, Oh, that number looks great. Yeah. yeah. But we
1: have to get there. It's going to take, you know, time and effort
0: so it's lots of humans doing lots of boring mundane unsexy things consistently in there and that yeah. is where the leadership comes in can you inspire your humans to do the things that your spreadsheet tells you to do <laughs> right absolutely true so uh we were talking about uh friction points that estimate rocket solved and um I, I want to know what you guys feel from a a service provider to the industry which is i feel like even five years ago uh, trying to put a, a pin in the map i feel like five years ago you could operate a small home service business with no website, with paper duplicate stuff, giving random estimates, numbers, not database, things like that. And as long as you painted, there's such a high demand that people would mm-hmm. continually call you. And I feel like now we've kind of crossed that critical threshold of if you don't have a website, if you don't have a social media presence and you don't show up with some modicum of professionalization, people are like... I, I think that's starting to unsettle clients. What do you, what do you yeah. guys think generally in the industry?
1: Yeah, I think, um, I think that's another one of those kind of twofold things. Part of it is, you know, as you're growing, the expectations become greater on you and your professionalism and how you do things. And you know, so in phase one, when you're one person, if you're good and you, you know, do a good job, you're probably going to get plenty of work for yourself. It's when you get to that, when you start to grow, that's when it becomes more of a challenge in terms of, hey, we have to be different. We have to do things differently. We have to have processes. We have to, you know, have methodologies that we use to solve problems and things. And I think that's really where the, where the, the friction happens. And it's that, it's that one to two. That's the yeah. first person you hire, right? That is like the scariest thing in the world when you hire that first person. Right. If it's not your spouse, you know, a lot of a lot of us, our spouse helps. So you can't really call that a hire because you're probably not paying them anything in the early days. But it's that first hire that's really just it's a it's a leap. It really is.
0: So that it's so interesting you say that because that is one of those touch points of ask a painter where it's it's we kind of call it the first employee theory where honestly, there is nothing you need to employ 300 employees that you don't need at one employee. You know what I mean? So it's the employee handbook. It's the job costing. It's the goal setting and review meeting. It's job descriptions. It's pay scales. It's like nothing will professionalize you more than having that first employee. And honestly, most of us, including myself, hire the first sometimes 10 employees without any of that in place. And very quickly, Mm -hmm. they will make sure that you have those things or they will present (laughs) um, situations where those things would have been desperately needed in those. And and you kind of like back yourself into that.
1: Right. And that's, I mean, and that's common in every business and, and it happens at levels too. So we're not done with that. Yeah. As we, as we go to the next hurdle, there'll be another level of that, that you just can't tackle At you know, depending upon your size, there's certain things you can do at certain stages. So you got to, but you got to be open and aware to know, Oh shit, we hit another
0: hurdle here. We we got to make some changes, you know? Ah, that's that's really key. That you intuition. It's that feeling. Wow, things feel really frictiony at work. I wonder what's going on. And you go to the data. It's like, yeah, I have thirty-seven direct reports. Like, what did you think was going to happen? Like, of course, of course, it feels like there's a lot of work to do. Like, typically, you. I mean, I've always heard the word four to seven direct reports is it. So if your right. job as a generalist, as a general manager, founder, whatever else, feels like you have a lot to do, you do.
1: do. <laughs> it is unquestionably
0: um so interestingly That's enough like 15 years ago when i started my business having a website was sort of like ooh, and i had black and white pictures on it it was very arty and people were just like wow this is amazing and i even had an online form you could fill out where you could schedule an estimate and you we wow. could email back and forth and that was super yeah. novel 10 years ago i started seeing the critical mass hit it five years ago if you didn't have that, you're kind of dead in the water. And that leads up to now, I feel like there's some baseline things that businesses can do. And number one is like, get on Google, get a a social media presence, get a website. But now all of a sudden, I feel in the last one to five years, having a professional estimating process now is sort of the next sort of thing that we're all going to take for granted in the next five years. And in the age of like Amazon one-click buy, where you can get on Amazon, click something, and it's a trustworthy system. There's things that you get automatic emails that confirm and, and keep your trust. Yeah. Nowadays, if you go to a website and there's only a phone number and you get a voicemail, you're just like, yeah. all right, well, I guess I guess somebody's just going to get back to me at some random time. And guess what? It's business hours right, right now. And there wasn't even like a human to talk to. So I truly yeah. believe that our clients... Are getting so used to such an instant, high-level, responsive um, process when they interact with a business. Yeah. If you don't have an electronic estimate based on data where you deliver it on-site in a consistent format, yeah. you're going to be dead in the water.
1: Yeah, it's going to get difficult. I mean, I, I do think there's uh, there's a lot to be said. I know you did a, a program where you got the you uh, polled uh, people in different areas for what the you know what what's your price for painting a room and i think that's there's a lot to that because one of the things that i've discovered is um not from the data is that uh there's not there are certain things that make a big difference on an estimate and there are certain things that really don't matter like a gallon or a gallon and a quarter is not going to make a difference on your estimate (laughs) it what what surfaces you're painting that makes a difference but yeah and and it seems like uh, there's some room for that, uh, that concept of, Hey, a room. And I think you still got to do some due diligence on it, but there's a concept of, Hey, how big are your rooms? You know, it's a big, small, medium, a large room. This is roughly, here's the range of what you're going to, you know, if you want to offer that to the customers so that they can at least get an idea. And I think it might be uh, Nick may did a nice job on that with offering a range based on some simple yep. inputs. So that's actually a pretty interesting, uh, technique So at least you get, that feedback quick, but then you still want, I think as a, you know, as a craftsman, you also want that the customer to know, look, we can't just tell you what the price is going to be though, because we need to know more about what you're doing and what your site is like and what your house looks like, because otherwise, you know, we're either going to be gouging you, uh, or, uh, not making any money. So we got to find that happy medium there.
0: Yeah. And of course, and, and, you know, I'm a preacher of job costing and, and to know the answer to that question and to the most proverbial question in our industry ever, what do you charge for X? It's uh, it's sort of this unsatisfying conversation I'm sure you have with a lot of your clients and I have, which is do a job and job cost it. That'll tell you right there. And there's only in in, in the decision tree of solutions after job costing is basically be a better painter or charge more if you're not making money. So,
1: (laughs) right. That's it. Absolutely.
0: Yep. Um, okay, uh, I Careful. want to talk. I want to talk about some things unrelated to the industry. Oh, we got a great, uh, great compliment sure. here, Dave Pine, friend of the show. Here, just sold our largest right, repaint. Uh, you know, Dave, in in history this morning with Estimate Rocket, it took an initial time investment to understand how to use the platform, and we're still fine tuning our sales process. Cool, uh, but it's definitely helped professionalize the process. Oh my God, yeah! And if you don't think that you're going to have to not invest into some process in your company. That is a, that is an absolute myth. So yeah,
1: that's a, that's a big challenge.
0: Yeah. And, and what we found too um, is I feel like the, it doesn't matter what kind of software uh, you use in your company. uh, It feels to me like the people who are most successful with it have an owner or a driver, a, a champion for it. And then they are held accountable to implementing it. It feels mm-hmm. it feels like when you just say, "Hey, we should use Slack," and then you just hope everybody uses it. It doesn't work. It feels like if you give it to somebody and say, "Your job in one week is to get every communication we have on Slack." Do you kind of find that that's the thing with Estimate Rocket as well?
1: Uh, it totally is, and and you and you know the the uh, the the work side of that is you know you wouldn't send a painter out to a house that it, that you'd never had never painted for you before with no instructions other than paint the room, you yeah. just wouldn't do that. You'd have a process sheet and then and they would learn and probably some training up front to let them know how you do it and then maybe a shadow a couple of times as you build up your skills. Um, software is the same way and and you have to have somebody who who owns the success mm-hmm. of it, you know, otherwise it, it'll just flounder. You know, there's there's some things you can do with it, but I know the thing that we we work really hard at is getting people to understand more of the things that they can do, mm. because people tap a little bit of it and then they move on to the next problem. And you got to keep cycle psych- any technology that you're using, any technology at all. You have to constantly keep cycling back to look at, hey, what else is out? What else is in there? What else? How else can we you know, leverage this? What are the problems do we have that this or that mm. or that might solve for us?
0: Do you do you feel that most of your clients utilize every square inch, every millimeter of your products?
1: Not even close. Yeah. Sadly. And
0: yeah.
1: that's where we're actually doing some work now on uh helping that pro, you know, helping the user in that process. There's that there's a kind of a you know a tipping point where you can't do too much because it gets in people's way and they get irritated with it. Yeah. But if you don't do anything, They'll, they'll never realize some of the things there. And part of it is, you know, we've had customers have been using the product for seven, eight years. It's a whole different product now than it was then. And so they're still using the things that they learned when they first got into Estimate Rocket, but they haven't branched out to see, you know, to learn other things with it and go deeper and, and like job costing and go deeper in um, doing the costing for their items. So they actually have meaningful, you know, line items, estimated profit as well as actual profits. But you know, it's just, you're busy. And if you don't block time out for that, just like we do, we, yeah. we set time aside say, we're not gonna do anything today, but learn some stuff. Yeah. You know? And if you don't do that, then you're not gonna be able to take advantage of your tools.
0: Absolutely agreed. Um, un- unrelated, I gave some questions uh, unrelated sure. uh, to sort of the painting industry, but um, I am very interested as like a third party, you know, arm's length, distance away from the tech industry but especially yep. on social media and uh and and on TikTok too there are uh y- you can watch the stories of these layoffs in tech take place mm. where it's one of those things where people are just people are hopping on social media saying i just got laid off my entire team got laid off it was instant they right. shut us out this and that and it's happening right. across a lot of tech sectors and i mean by right. the by the thousands so you're in the tech industry. What does I mean, <laughs> this isn't this isn't one company going through a bad time. You're looking at all right. the big players, the Facebooks, the Amazons, I mean, uh, right. Salesforce, uh, you know, HubSpot, things like this. They're all sure. going through some stuff. What does this look like to you?
1: Yeah, an opportunity to find some good people actually. <laughs>
0: <laughs> ah, right there, Tom, is what I love because a sign of a good business owner is not, oh my God, we're in recession, doom and gloom. It's like, there is an opportunity in everything that happens. Right,
1: right. There it really is and uh, and we actually made several great hires in the tail end of uh, 2022. And it was, and we might not have seen those people if things weren't the way they were, because we're a small company and everybody wants to go work for the Googles and the... um, (laughs) The other thing about those companies of that size is they have so many pilot projects going on. that that never see the light of day and and so when things turn they use that as an opportunity to say oh, okay that program's gone that pro you know that's going nowhere that's going nowhere and they shut them off because if the if it has legs then they may keep that program there and they'll keep you know those people don't get laid off but if it's not going anywhere that's a it's a perfect opportunity and big corporations look at it that way it's like no 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 yeah whereas we go, we'd go these are, these are humans that are actually, you know, on our team working with us. So that's, you know, laying somebody off is like one of the hardest things uh, in the world to do.
0: So I, I obviously I have the dumb, dumb sideliner approach to watching the tech industry because I am a knuckle dragging house painter. But I feel like the biggest <laughs> pilot project of all time, the metaverse, is like... That's the, I, I think they just, it felt like they, we were all going to be doing this virtually, right? I was going to be sitting here with my little avatar yeah, talking right? to Tom. We were going to be playing pickleball while talking about this in the virtual <laughs> world. And I feel like they just yanked the entire plug. I feel like the, the public has spoke, like, we don't care about VR at all with this, yeah. or this virtual world at all. and And that was a huge portion of these tech layoffs, especially at Facebook.
1: Yeah, but that's, and that's one of those things where, you know we've been talking about useful AI for like thirty years. Well, all of a sudden, there is something now that's actually useful and and tangible you know v r is they it actually gets a lot of traction in certain industries for mm-hmm. technicians where they're they're able to you know through the VR or assisted VR they they can they're looking at something and they're seeing the manual come up while they're you know working on it but um just I don't think it's there yet. I don't yeah. think the you know the power and opportunity is there yet.
0: Yeah, I also, uh, I, I thought I heard a, a commentator in one of the podcasts I listened to about tech say, uh, perspective is a lot of big things because, you know, we're we're seeing right. these mass tech layoffs. We're seeing people crying on TikTok about losing their jobs, but also right. they presented the idea that, you know, take a step back and harken back to 2020 when they hired 150,000 people at Facebook. And now they yeah. laid off thirty thousand. There's still one hundred twenty thousand right. more employees in the last three years, so it's all still relative, right? right. Like that perspective yeah. is a valuable thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, and as and as big companies, they they also look at that as an opportunity to get rid of B players. Mm. So they hired, you know, two hundred thousand. They're letting thirty go because yeah. they those they weren't yeah. coming along, and well, you know, we need to we need to shore up the bottom line.
0: Yeah, so we've been we've been kind of dancing around the topic of AI, but like we always talk about, you know, uh AI has been like you said for decades. We've been like, oh, AI's coming, AI's coming when it's here, and then all of a sudden chat GPT just got dropped on, all like that. Yeah. And then obviously everybody there's there's the whole side of this is miraculous. Uh, Also, uh, welcome to your new robot slave owner. Like all of a sudden, people are just like, it's two camps. I (laughs) I don't hear a lot of like, you know, a metered sort of thoughtful approach to it, but from somebody in the tech industry, what does this whole like AI thing that's been dropped on us mean to you?
1: Uh, It's pretty massive. I was uh, actually talking to a business coach about it. And and, uh, she was saying, was saying, I'm being too nice, like I'm being polite and saying thank you and stuff, as I'm doing. She's like, you don't have to, you know, but it, it uh, what chat GPT represents and the, you know, the, uh, its offshoots, uh, is, is a, is a big game changer. I mean, I am, when I write marketing materials, they sound like a tech manual. <laughs> I, they really do. It's sad, but true. I can't, I cannot get past that. And I've tried for years chat gpt chat can it can take my list of features and great things and you know technical stuff and turn it into something that makes you want to buy it oh. that's really powerful yeah you know to be able to turn somebody who's not that type of writer uh into that person you know think of your your user mate your uh some of your manuals and and um uh, uh your handbook and those Standard kinds of things that, and stuff yeah yeah you run that stuff just run that stuff through without even any instructions you can yeah. run that stuff through and it and you, when you read it you go wow that's a lot cleaner than what i wrote yeah because <laughs> because yeah. they they it understands grammar if nothing else right i'm not you know that's not my thing syntax maybe but not grammar
0: yeah. And it's really interesting to see how, you know, based on the prompts you give some of the chat GPT things, it's not just mm-hmm. chat GPT style. You can put it in, in many different right. things. And to the point oh, where yeah. it's a little, um, we are sitting at lunch with, well, Jason Paris, friend of the industry, and, uh, he's yeah. pulling up chat GPT and he's like, Hey, describe, uh, uh, give me a story about Nick Slavic's life in relationship to his father in the style of this and chat GPT, did something and it described the relationship with my father in eerily details like that Mm -hmm. sort of thing. And you're like, oh, so it's not like, it's not omniscient, but it speeds up that entire process of doing 19 Google searches and reading things. Right.
1: Right. Yeah. It's got access to all the tools, the script I was mentioning, you know, that stuff's all out there, but it's better at, you know, reading and digesting syntax and rules and then applying them and those rules can be squishy rules like marketing and sales rules or they can be you know programming rules or whatever you whatever you want to throw out it's really fascinating even even responses to customers i am not a fan of bots i am dead against them but i will tell you that using when you got a difficult explanation for a customer like the you know and you're like oh how am i going to explain this yeah, GPT does a great job you write out your explanation and say you know make this clearer and it does you know or make this make this more gentle or something. because a lot of the time the support guys are like do this 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 isn't this well you know, well, yeah. you know your, your customer might be a little uptight because they're working hard and things not working and I was liking it to the doctor you know you don't go see the doctor when you feel good oh yeah, <laughs> when, yeah. when you feel bad that's when you go to the doctor but anyway it, it's uh it's gonna be a game changer for a lot of things it yes, really
0: we, we've been using it for some very technical things in my company, sort of as it started off as a novelty, but then it's sort mm-hmm. of just like a, it's almost like a phone a friend sort of thing, you know, it, instead of, you know, it, 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 it feel, especially when you're dealing with tech problems, to me, it feels gross to just call mm-hmm. up and say, hey, help me, because that's like, it's right. shortcutty, you're not learning the process and it's sort of like it's not a scalable system so uh and right. I, I was I was showing you this before but I we've been working with some G sheet stuff uh on yeah. data automation in my company we actually have a high school intern who's yep. graduating cool. this year and he's actually going into dairy science in in yep. one of the Dakotas but uh, we've been doing some automation stuff where I gave him a task of taking, uh, I, I spent about three to 400 hours gathering job costing data, putting it through yep. some filters that I did, and then spitting it out to my painters to show them how they're doing. Seemingly simple sure. process, but yep. it's just a lot of manual entry and it's not a scalable system, just like you mentioned with Estimate Rocket. So we started using uh, Chat GPT to come up with just some basic formulas and then trying them out. And instead of watching that eight minute YouTube video, about uh, right. some if functions, you know, on a large mm-hmm. scale, we can just use right. that, and it spit us out three things, and we just tried it. So it's it's been a really yeah. interesting process of almost like this one intermediate step before you call the G Sheet wizard <laughs> or something <Right>. like that.
1: <laughs> right. Well, and like you said earlier, the big thing it does is if you say, you know, give me a sum if to some columns A on sheet two and B on sheet three. And it comes back with the formula, you know, with these criteria or conditions yeah. in column D. It, you know, it, you don't have to go, like you said, you don't have to watch a YouTube video. You don't have to do the Google search to see how well, how does some if work because that probably has like five different functions yeah. <laughs> in within that one formula that you got to look up the syntax on and figure out how yeah. they work. It's really it's a, it's it has some real real interesting potential.
0: And I that's that's sort of like the um, the biggest knowledge gap I have is between listen, I know what I want this spreadsheet to do. I don't know all the language of Excel and G sheets. So it's been really fun to type in, I have a painter's name and they did, you know, and I'll just just write this sentence out and it actually comes back with a function where you say, I have a painter who worked on 15 jobs this quarter. We did 160 jobs this quarter. I need you to reference that painter, see how many jobs they were on and then reference the gross profit and cell X uh, here and yeah. tell me based on that how many jobs hit 45% gross profit or not. It's not going to be perfect, but it'll it'll write you the skeleton of this crazy function that you never right. could have come up with yourself. But you're using house painter language to come up with that. Right. So I think that is it's like it it takes the gap between us house painters and right. data scientists and it starts, starts right. Right. getting rid of that gap.
1: <laughs> yeah, that the natural language processing is huge. I mean, and it's amazing how. And they've been training, it, they've been working on this for a long time. Yeah. But it's amazing how well it works at all kinds of different contexts. You know, yeah. you, you give it your context and you start talking to it and it, it answers you in your context. So You know, answering the question is easy, but in your context isn't necessarily.
0: So and it's it, doing a crazy job it's it's been interesting to to take a step back and we're we're talking about you know the the layoffs in tech and and the chat gpt mm-hmm. and we say this because business owners should be tapped into economic signals right and we're seeing yeah. interest rates rise inflation is there i feel like it's being moderated right now it's still not crazy mm-hmm. uh we're seeing ai hit and all of a sudden you know you're seeing like not only are people getting laid off in the workforce one of the things that people say about AI is the replacements of jobs and things like that. Mm-hmm. So is yeah. coming from somebody in the tech sector, is this a, is this a disruptor in a negative way, a positive way? What do you think is the sort of outcome of AI in this area?
1: Yeah, I actually had a good conversation with one of my, uh, one of my team members the other day about this. Um, and I've, you know, it, it's an accelerator. All these things are accelerators, you know, Henry Ford, Big accelerator, the, yep. the you know, the the process, you know, line and what he created was a big accelerator. And we've had accelerators like that, you know, every generation, at least, if not yeah. multiple. And for the most part, yes, it 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 is going to displace people, but it's also going to create new industries. Yeah. And as uh we we tend to consume, we don't ever seem to consume less. You consume more, right? And so most of these changes that are, that are you know, mind-blowing ultimately allow us to consume more. Yes. So it's not, it isn't, again, I'm not saying there isn't going to be a lot, there are not going to be a lot of people who are displaced. I remember like one of my first jobs uh, as an accountant before I started, uh, it, it was a printing company that printed the yellow pages. Maybe some of you out there that don't know what the yellow pages are, <laughs> right? It was a while ago. And and on the first day, we walked in and there was a guy sleep basically sleeping at eight in the morning with his feet up on the table. And I said, don't say anything to him. He's he's in the union, and you know just let him sleep. And walk. we're walking by, they were giving us Dang. the plant tour, but that's what happens, right? And and that guy got replaced because of laser printers or what you know, and the internet and those things. But there's still a need. There's always a need for people to serve whatever the new industry is, and that, that's not going to go away. So I'm not you know, saying there won't be pain, but there'll also be a lot of good things that happen.
0: It's innovation. I mean, just like, you know, um somewhere in the last part of the 20th century, spreadsheets got introduced and people are like, oh my God, all the accountants in the United States are gonna go out of business. I think we needed more accountants after. I mean, it, like it didn't. It didn't get rid of anything. Right. It, we were we we just compound more right. into it. If if that saves right. time, if we take an eight-hour day, compress right. it into six. Guess what? We're gonna pack another two hours of stuff in for everybody. So for sure, yeah, for sure. The way the way that PCs have done it, spreadsheets. I mean, even Amazon, right. The retail stores are not out of business. I mean, retail stores are flourishing. Right. You know, so <laughs> in fact, they they help us. that
1: like the spreadsheets are a great example. It helps us actually have time to analyze instead of spending all the time adding up numbers and getting the totals and going, oh, that's the total. We actually can do some analysis. We have time for analysis to do something constructive yeah. with those numbers.
0: And it makes it that's accessible right, for right. house painters like me. Now exactly. we have, I mean, this exactly. is this is going to be a problem for somebody because I have access to g right. sheets and AI, and I don't know, <laughs> I don't know necessarily that I should sometimes, you know. <laughs> so it can, it, it can, but, but also though, you know, we always have to be um, uh, present of the idea that. Uh, business owners, entrepreneurs, and and uh, solopreneurs, the master craftspeople who own their paint businesses, we don't have unlimited time anyway. So when I see like right. chat GPT and things like that, I'm seeing as like, wow, this could be great, but it also could be a huge time suck because there are oh, yeah. still some things right now where you know what to do. It's not gonna, it's not gonna create culture in your company. It's not gonna maintain right. culture in your company. It's not gonna review your employees for you and it's not gonna make right. sure your retention is high. So, <laughs> right. Might help you communicate better with them though. Yeah. Well, and you know, like like I said, with that problem that I showed on here, that's my goal setting and review process. And as far as yeah. I can tell, I have anywhere between 25 and 40 direct reports. And I have to come up with a customized report for that human based on data four times a year. So that alone will allow me to just get wow. that data and then spend more, more time with them instead of the hundred hours a quarter I spend getting that data. So right. yeah. <laughs> That's a good thing. You need to um, a human to do that. Yes, exactly, exactly. But it's been it's been really fun to uh, it's been really fun to doing this stuff. Um, one thing I wanted to run by you because you're a big thinker, Tom, is um, I've to me I like oversimplifying things uh, to the point of sometimes not being useful. But to me, there's only like two problems for me to solve, and and for a lot of business owners to solve, which is where are the jobs, where are the employees, or or, right. or technicians. And to me, right. I feel like we've been in a 15-year swing of jobs are relatively easy to get compared to mm-hmm. finding a workforce, right? And yep. um, over the last year, based on two data points, which is the the cost of acquisition of leads has steadily risen over the last 12 months for me and my business. Mm-hmm. And when I talk yep. to other business owners, they're seeing something too. It's not doubling or tripling. It could only be 10 to 20%. Mm-hmm. But that's a pretty consistent data point. Also, organically, I'm getting a large amount of people um, or just coming to me without being prompted looking for work. So when I see those two things of cost of acquisition go and then workforce right. maybe be easier to get, I see those problems flipping. We've been in 15 years of it might be harder to find employees. I, from inside my company, I feel like we're entering a phase where it's going to be easier to find employees and much harder to find work. Are, are you sensing any of that data as well?
1: Uh, yeah, I think there I think there's I think we're in the early stages of that. But yeah, I mean that's another one of those things that's that ebbs and flows. Absolutely. It, it, you know, as soon as you get used to it, it'll it's gonna yeah. it'll flip back the other way, right? Um but yeah, I mean there's no I don't I don't think there's any arguing that. And and it and that's a thing where layoffs are helping other industries because yeah. there's people that are looking for work, you know. Um that's uh, that's that whole, you know, somebody's always doing good when somebody's not, somebody
0: else is not. Just like you said, there's always opportunities. And uh, I, I I only bring this up because um, most people haven't been in business for 15 years. Right. And, and I'm still a baby yep. business. Right. But I touched the last dying gasps of a horrible economy when there were master's class people or people people uh who had master's degrees looking for jobs in the trades because in 2007 2008 2009 unemployment was super high there was a housing crisis mass layoffs things like that the economy was not that great and i started my business in it so that was just that was the only data point i had and i thought wow this is this is weird it's always like this and then it it quickly (laughs) dropped off and it was very hard to find people for 15 years. And yeah. the people who have just started their business, even in the last five years, your only experience with the economy is that it's super hard to find people to do the work with you. And guess what? It might not always be like that. And I don't want right. people in our industry to be surprised,
1: right? Right. Yeah. I mean, it definitely ebbs and flows and I've I've been fortunate enough to be around and own a business for A whole bunch of those roller coaster rides you know everybody thought the year 2000 was going to be end of days (laughs) but that's it but keeps going that's it it's just no matter of planning and and preparation and planning
0: yeah um okay so uh couple last things I want to talk about are obviously, sure. I want to know if you're sensing any any other things that we wouldn't sense in all the data streaming that you get uh, from estimate rocket. I also want to uh, talk to you about uh any any new or interesting things you want to specifically talk about estimate rocket, but before we do that, I just want to ask you tom i'm I've been sort of driving this conversation. Is there anything specifically you want to talk about uh that I have not capitalized the time on here uh no you you do pretty well, Nick, I have to say. <laughs>
1: That's why it's um, so much fun talking with you
0: <laughs> it's well it's very selfish these are all things on 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 my mind and uh, there's yeah. only some things that I can get from Tom Dross, too like we can we can get a very unique perspective talking about these topics with other house painters in the industry but you're here for that very unique perspective I know you're you're one of the yeah. most thoughtful guys I've ever met about just taking a step back and looking at at meta at everything and not just a one yeah. specific lane of of our industry so i I do appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> me too (laughs) (laughs) all right so um trends in any of the estimate rocket data either how people are using your stuff something that maybe surprised you uh anything that maybe as from the ground level us painters aren't sensing what what are you seeing yeah
1: um i mean we're we're placing a big focus on communications Mm. uh in estimate rocket because i it's it's key and it it goes with that whole documentation thing and getting the right people at the right place at the right time and so we that's one of our our big uh, focuses at at this time because it's 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 super important yeah um and and that's the whole you know we've sort of uh recently looked at what we do and what how we've done a lot of looking at how people actually use estimate rock and it isn't always the things that we think are the (laughs) are the best parts tom come on tom
0: you're you're talking to a bunch of house painters and you give us a computer and we're just sort of you know like doing one of these things with your software of course we're going to find some inappropriate use for it right
1: No, it, it's it, but it's fascinating, and being able to look at that and, and and taking time to look at that really helps us to say, "Wow, that people are really struggling with that thing," or "Wow, people are using the shit out of this." What's yeah. going on with that? Need more of that, you know. So that's kind of we've been doing a lot of analysis of how people are using Estimate Rocket to so that we can make the things that are struggles easier and mm-hmm. and and help people understand the things that, you know, the really successful people are using and the people who are struggling aren't. Um, you know, scheduling is a big one and messaging, getting people into communicating about the project so that you, you at any point in time, you can look at what's going on with the project. And even to things like, hey, we had a terrible day today. We didn't get anything done. OK, well, that's going to kill the product. You know, yeah. we're not going to expect too much productivity. But those things all, when you go to start looking, you go to the profitability report when the project closed and you start looking at them and you go, okay, well, there's a red. Right one, let's talk about it. Let's get the supervisor and let's get the estimator and see what happened, have a conversation about it. Here's the trail, oh, I see what happened. You know, the, the, they, somebody drove a truck through the building midway through <laughs> and we helped, whatever. But it gives you the opportunity to have an intelligent conversation with the team and help everybody to get better Similar to what you're doing with your scorecard, I mean, you're you're doing that all that work so you can help your team members be be better, you know, be improve their skills, improve their uh, things that they're maybe doing that they don't even realize they're doing that are that are killing their their uh, you know work effort.
0: That's it, so. and and is it so? Is there something you wish your users would use more of? Is it that communication thing? Is there something you wish you could it just is. wave a magic wand over and say, "Please, users of Estimate Rocket, yeah. do more of this?"
1: Yeah, actually and it is the messaging. It's the it's the note-taking. So, notes and photos. Yeah. They're just key and we've actually we did a webinar recently where I was I was uh, dictating to the to the no, into the notes, saying Hey, had a bad rough day today. Didn't get that much done. We're gonna need more, you know. Sherman Williams, two oh four five six, and yep. for tomorrow at least twenty gallons, or and send, and they're done. So it, now it's even getting easy to really, uh, really, you know, jump dive into that stuff.
0: We got a we got a technical question from Burgess Perry. Burgess, love that guy. Uh, any yep. plans for two way SMS with clients?
1: Uh, messaging is our big focus right now. That's all I can say right now.
0: That's all. Okay. We'll take that as a, as a clue, as a hint, as something to maybe be foretold. So
1: yeah, that's really focused on messaging, both team members and customers.
0: (laughs) And so what you, what you say is important because our core value, number one at my, my painting company is trust. And if you want to not only gain the trust of somebody, but keep it, it's that constant contact of setting proper expectations, uh, Communication, my god, are are tradespeople bad at this? They think most most people think that if I come up with the magic price, I will have all the work for the rest of my life. And as a client. Right. If, if you put yourself price. in your client's shoes, price is only one of the things. And, and, and if you think about the weird world of like high end interior painting, like we are right now, we're on a job site where we're on phase two of a six week project where we're doing all the bedrooms, the bathrooms, the mm-hmm. closets of somebody's houses. These are where their kids sleep. This is where they sleep. This is their safe place. They have home right. offices. So if you think price is the only thing that clients care about, we are going to be basically living with these people from seven in the morning to five at night for six weeks. If you don't, right. if, there is no perfect price for that. It, it begins with that trust and communication. You're going to be, these people are going to let you into their house. And a price is only one function of that. So,
1: right. Yeah. And and as as we, as, as that may be hard to do at times, but the reality is you, you don't really want the customer who just cares about price. Yeah. Because that's not where you're about. You're about giving amazing service and really taking care of your customers. And there's a price for that.
0: Yep. Agreed. And and that's, you know, you you mentioned early on in this show about you wish people would focus a little less on some things and more on others. And Mm -hmm. painters are fixated on price. We believe that there is a magic price out there. And my God, (laughs) it is not that. It is, you know, nowadays the um we talked with topline pro a little while ago people that build websites for people and mm-hmm. you know it used to be that when I was growing up in the industry, everything was word of mouth, right? Like I, when I started my business 15 years ago, it was literally newspaper ad, Yellow Pages ad. There was no social media out there 15 years ago to advertise on. You couldn't do Google AdWords. There was nothing like that. So uh, it was word of mouth and it literally was word of mouth, mouth to mouth. Nowadays, the new word of mouth is maybe some people will ask their coworkers or their neighbors, but immediately they get on a Facebook happenings group for that local town and they say, who knows a good painter? People start tagging people and immediately what do yep. they do? They go to the website, they go to their social media site and they see what can they find on this person. Right. And right. I I truly do believe that five years from now, if you don't have a massing of Google reviews, if you don't have a responsive website, uh, if you don't have that social media presence, all that stuff is now building trust. It used to be nice to have. And now it's right. one of those things where it's like, if you don't have it, you're dead. Next level of that, I believe is that metric right. bidding and professional service because you can have a bang up website but if you can't get to somebody for an estimate for three weeks and you go to their house and you look at all their stuff and then it takes you another week to send that estimate to them have the best website on earth but people are now in amazon days where listen they're gonna people decide to sorry i'm I'm being long-winded but i truly believe that at least in the residential repaint world this is highly transactional like people decide they're gonna get their deck stained they're gonna immediately do a google search they're gonna find three or four people the three or four easiest people that communicate with them are going to be the first to get the estimates, and they're going to make a decision within days. Right. This isn't one of those things where they're going to carefully consider everything and this and that. You need to remove every single friction point to that for
1: the right. clients. Yeah. Removing friction is uh, its an interesting term because it's everywhere in your company, right? <laughs> it's with your customers, with your team members, everybody, yeah.
0: And it's all our I, say, fault.
1: I just need to get the out of the way, generally. <laughs> <Exactly>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Okay, um, <clears throat> Tom Drost. Anything else you would like to talk about um, before we end the show today?
1: Um, I I've had a great day, Nick. Yeah. Uh, just anything you anything you see that you you know that you're like top of mind. And I think we probably already hit them all.
0: (laughs) No. And and so the the biggest thing that I like to, again, I like the thing where obviously I'm a huge fan of data and metric based bidding and all this other stuff uh, to the point where we have gone beyond square foot pricing, linear pricing, and we have so much data that we have gone meta and now do unit pricing, even for exteriors of houses, because all our data set points to that. There's only seven types of houses that we paint. Right. So it's like we have taken even a step back beyond that. So everybody knows that I'm a huge fan of that, but we cannot forget the human side of all this stuff. We've talked a lot about AI. We've talked a lot about automation, (coughs) software systems, this and that. But when I look for vendors and um, it's becoming increasingly important as we get to be a big professional company where the wrong vendor, with the right product can ruin yeah. our lives. So how we rate our vendors is kind of like how when we look at you and your support system, we look at Chris Shank, we look at your wife, we look at your software, things like that. We need a world-class product, but we also need a world-class support system with world-class humans yeah. behind it. And that's why you are here. That's why you are friend of the show, because you guys are that, which is it's not just a fancy product. It's a, right. it's an amazing product that likely our painters will never fully squeeze every drop of value out of. Right. Um, but you also have that great support system. So where we are, right. we are house painters, and we're mashing our fingers into the keyboard, and we need help. We can actually get help from somebody who cares, and that's how we rate vendors. Right. Tom,
1: that's great. I, and that's honestly, that's always been in everything I've done in business. What I feel it's all about is it's about serving your customers. It's a yep. we're in a service business too. Yeah, I mean we'll, we have our help, and you know, yeah, we have a product, but we also have to be able to communicate with people and and you know
0: make a bond. That's it. Uh, Chris Shank, uh, close friend of mine and uh, uh, a cohort of yours, is is happily posting the uh, the links in there. I'll have a link to Estimate Rocket in the show notes as well. Um, I will say this. Um, we were, we were a little ahead of the curve with data-based uh, estimating in my own company only because I just mm-hmm. needed, I just needed to solve a problem. We were a little ahead of the curve in virtually estimating, but now uh, happily, mm-hmm. I will say that the industry is catching up. And um, yeah. five years ago, if a, if a homeowner called 10 painters, nine of them would come out somewhere within a week with a paper estimate and possibly mm-hmm. write something down pretty vague, no options. Uh, nowadays, um, just because people are getting savvy with Google, Facebook, uh, Instagram, all that other stuff, the easiest painters to yeah. find are now some of the most professional. So the right. entrance fee to being a real painting contractor uh, has just risen and website estimating software, things like that are not nice to have. Like you will be dead in the water in a couple of years if you right. don't do that. So yeah.
1: Right. It becomes a hindrance to growth for sure.
0: Oh my God. And and listen, even even if all your competition is still doing paper estimates, this and that, the second, right. you know, we talked about the first employee principle, where when you hire your first employee, it, it automatically forces you to be professional. Try hiring yep. your first estimator or sales guy. You want to talk right. about a gap in the knowledge in our industry, like, right? Typically, the business owner is the main salesperson, just because we're natural, we have a proclivity to be that person. We're personable. Right. We know all the information in our head, and it's all one of those, right? Yep. When I hired my first estimator about three years ago. Uh, I had to take 27 years of knowledge and somehow put it on paper and that's where I found the trends in that data. I was forced to put that data on paper to say, well, how, you know, you, you 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 confront the problem of every exterior is different. How could you possibly do that? And meanwhile, right. I take all my job costing, I sort it by, you know, profitability and then I start overlaying some house sizes and I'm like, "Oh, this is actually really simple. There's only like seven types of houses we do and right. we are actually super right. unprofitable, so we're going to have to change the pricing on those." But and it's right. The data will give you that thing to then help your humans. And if you ever want to scale your business, uh, you will never be able to do it with hearsay pricing. You have to have hmm. data based pricing. So if you ever have a dream of having a business that contains humans more than you, or even a sellable asset at the end, congr- You yep. have to do this. This is step number one. I in steps. So. Yep.
1: You just you just gave me some super valuable information there i, mean, they, oh, I saw you taking a little so. new idea
0: <laughs> <laughs> no it's it's been a wonderful thing and uh what's interesting now is our data is getting sophisticated enough where we where we look at uh a weekly breakdown of success ratios average job sizes what jobs command that sort of thing and then we can even yeah. sort it by interior exterior things like that and um we noticed an interesting trend because we we keep on the data. In the last two or three years, it's no it's no um, it's no secret that a lot of our um, uh, vendors have been increasing the price of paint and coatings a lot, sure. right? Like sometimes we get two to three price increases per year. Because we were able to use data to track this stuff, we actually saw a trend line in the percentage of materials go up five percent mm-hmm. on jobs over the course of six months. That allowed us to then institute a price increase to quell that and bring it down instead of waiting to file your taxes and finding you've gone five, 10% over on your material budget. So it's the power yeah. of those little things, those unsexy mundane- really
1: key. <laughs> Yeah. Plus that power gives you negotiating power with your vendors. Yeah. You know, um, not necessarily, they may not lower the price, but you may give you, when you know your whole volume and paint for the year, Yep. pretty easy to go say, Hey, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a frequent shopper here. I mean, I should be getting some
0: consideration for that. And if you want to talk about testing a vendor, how about that? And it gets really yeah, interesting yeah. where, you know, your, your spend goes up high enough where you start showing up on the top five list of your vendors sort of thing in your area. And all right. of a sudden they, they seem to come over more and they seem to answer yeah. your calls a little more. And then all of a sudden <laughs> that's a great test of that relationship, which is, you know, like, right. Hey, Um, And it's not always price. And again, just like with clients, to me, it's not always price. One of the first things that I asked for in a vendor is service. Because a big friction point with us was, you know, uh, a certain company's uh, online ordering system. So I said, listen, if I can get to be like number one on your list, can I just make my own system? And they said, if you are a number one buyer of this thing, you can, you can make your own damn system and we'll comply to you. And guess what? I did. And they, and they, and they <laughs> make it on. So I was like, but that is a good responsive vendor like that. So yeah, uh, yeah another great test of the humans wow. we involve ourselves with.
1: <laughs> for sure.
0: All right, Tom, uh, any last words for all the viewers? Any last words for the people of estimate rocket out there before we call her a day?
1: Uh, just everybody remember uh everybody's going through the same things here and uh in many cases um you know your your weaker competitors are weaker than you are right now and you know quit watching the news Yeah, that's
0: it mastering the basics and uh i will tell you this um tom has the question tom has the answer to the proverbial question what do you charge for x And it's going to be slightly unsatisfying because you have to do some things consistently as a professional business owner, but there is not an easier way. If you want to, for the rest of time, solve the answer to what do you charge for X, you need to get hold of these guys. They actually have that answer and will help you with that. So that that is honestly the biggest uh, help that uh, I would wish upon this industry, which is not this wizardry pricing based on hearsay (laughs) and, uh, feelings, you know, so
1: (laughs) data and feelings,
0: data and feelings. So yeah, uh, that's awesome. Well, Tom, thanks again for doing this friend of the show. You're always, uh, we always have these great conversations like this, and I know that you guys are super responsive. So if anybody finds any of this stuff interesting, now, you know, that you have a thought leader at your disposal and you have some software to help you out. So Love to talk. All right. (laughs) Wonderful. Well, thanks everybody for watching here. Again, the kindest thing you can do for this show is not only contact Tom, but then share this show so other people can find this help. And uh, as business owners and entrepreneurs, it is lonely. There is that proverbial thing of like, it is lonely i find loneliness in in weird places about what do you charge for x and it gets even more lonely when you ask other people and you get a thousand different answers that don't make sense or don't correlate around one thing if you want to talk about feeling lonely you get the data and then you still don't know what to do so that's why you got to overlay the good humans the people that support you and uh, tom and estimate rocket is that so um, thanks, everybody, for watching here. We always appreciate you guys. And I know you guys will be in the comments later on for people watching the show answering any questions. Yeah. All right. Thanks have a good weekend, everybody. Painted Podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and are made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit pcapainted.org.